0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Disgruntled Dan's Pharmacy Podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode number one of Disgruntled Dan's Pharmacy Podcast. My name is Dr. Dan Burton, and I'm a clinical pharmacist and founder of Healthcare Evolution based out of Calgary, Alberta. Today, I'm hoping to give you the quick and dirty EBM rundown on the new herpes zoster vaccine, Shingrix. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard about some of the excitement and hoopla that's been building around this new vaccine, but is that excitement all what it is cracked up to be? Well, let's start with what is Shingrix. So Shingrix is the new recombinant subunit vaccine containing varicella zoster virus glycoprotein E and the AS01B adjuvant system. which is is proprietary to GSK. So in layman's terms, it is a non-live vaccine that is composed of a particular protein structure from the varicella virus that has had another component added to it, the adjuvant, in order to increase the body's immune response. But before we dive into the evidence around Shingrix, let's take a step back. So for a number of years now, we've had the Zostavax vaccine by Merck on the market. And as per the NACI guidelines, it says that it can be used in patients that are 50 years of age and older. So what has been our experience with Zostavax? Well, from the initial key clinical trial by Oxman ETL called the Shingles Prevention Study, it was found that Zostavax reduced the incidence of shingles with a relative risk reduction of 51%, which in turn means we need to vaccinate 59 individuals with the Zostavax vaccine to prevent one individual from developing a shingles infection over a 3.1-year period. Likewise, this trial demonstrated that Zostavax could reduce the incidence of post neuralgia beyond preventing shingles itself, with a relative risk reduction of 66% and a number needed to treat of 364 over that same 3.1-year period. Now, subsequent randomized controlled trials, meta-analysis, and observational trials have demonstrated similar results. Fortunately, Zostavax has been out for a while now, and we have some good follow-up data on the long-term effectiveness, or maybe the lack thereof, of the Zostavax vaccine. In the short-term persistent sub-study and the long-term persistent sub-study, what was found is that the burden of illness, incidence of post-hepatic neuralgia, and incidence of shingles infections all declined from years 7 to 11 post-vaccination. It should be noted that the vaccine efficacy in reducing the incidence of herpes zoster infections was found to only be statistically significant up until year 8. So overall, the clinical efficacy of the vaccine is limited after 5 to 8 years post-vaccination. Now the current debate is whether we need to start providing these patients with a booster. And we might have to. There are currently no guidelines stating that this is the case, but this may be changing as it's currently being investigated in the literature. Well, then along came Shingrix. So GSK completed two multi-centered, randomized, placebo-controlled trials, the ZO50 and the ZO70 trials. Upon critically appraising the trials, I found they had a relatively low risk of bias, and there was really no concerns or red flags in the randomization, concealment, data collection processes. Now GSK did have some part in trial development and involvement, and I mean this is to be expected, so it could introduce some bias into the research, But really, they're the ones that have the vested interest and the capital to actually run these trials. Now, my first issue right off the bat with these trials would be that they didn't do a head-to-head trial with the Zostavax vaccine. So thus far, Shingrix has only been compared to placebo. Once again, this is pretty common in the medical literature, and I can understand that gsk wanted to demonstrate that their vaccine has a significant effect in order to get it to market, but as of right now, GSK cannot say that their vaccine is significantly better than Zostavax until that head-to-head comparison is made. For now, it only looks better on paper. The good news is, though, that there is a head-to-head trial that is in the works and it will be exciting to see what kind of results that research produces. So what did we learn from the zo 50 and zo 70 trials? Well, let's start with the zo 50 trial. As I said, they looked at patients that were 50 years of age and older, Participants had never had a herpes zoster infection and had not been previously vaccinated for herpes zoster either, and they found that Shingrix was able to reduce the incidence of shingles infection with a relative risk reduction of 97%, and this equated to a number needed to treat of 36 over 3.7 years. Now that sounds like an amazing result for a vaccine, or really anything medicine related for that matter. Then, in the ZOE-70 trial, they looked at participants that were 70 years of age and older, and they were actually able to maintain a similar similar efficacy as to that what was seen in the ZOE-50 trial. And they produced a relative risk reduction of 90%, and a number needed to treat of 32 over 3.7 years. Once again, an outstanding result, and in an elderly population to boot. So my big question is, are these results too good to be true? I mean, a relative risk reduction of ninety-seven percent and a number needed to treat of thirty-six with a vaccine. While I can appreciate that our understanding of the immune system and the use of these adjuvant systems in vaccines has certainly advanced, those numbers just seem way too good to be true, and my spidey senses are not liking it. Now you can call it my skepticism or my disgruntledism, whatever you want to, pref- whatever you prefer. But I want to see more data before we get too excited as to just how good this vaccine might be. On another note, these two trials also looked at the incidence rates of post neuralgia. Now some will say that it did reduce the incidence of post neuralgia. However, it is difficult to ascertain just how effective Shingrix is in providing protection against post neuralgia. The reason being is that the number of cases of post neuralgia that occurred in the vaccinated group happened so infrequently that no strong conclusions can be made. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, as the vaccine was so effective at preventing shingles that it subsequently reduced the overall risk of post-hepatic neuralgia. So, I would kind of consider that a win. Now, what about the long-term effectiveness? Well, These key clinical trials had a follow-up of nearly 4 years, 3.7 to be exact, so we currently know that the Shingrix vaccine is effective out to this time point, but beyond that, we really don't know. Now, some people will say um, that studies with antibody titers have shown that the vaccine is still producing immunity out to 8 plus years, but antibody detection does not necessarily equate to clinical efficacy, so in reality, we really don't care for practical practice. But GSK is being a good little drug company, and they're continuing to follow patients from the ZO50 and ZO70 trials in order to ascertain the long-term efficacy of the Shingrix vaccine. And finally, like that of Zostavax, there was no significant adverse effects. There was the pretty standard systemic symptoms such as fever, headache, etc., all to be expected as the body's developing an immune response. Also, there was the typical injection site reactions – now, whether this will change now that it's on the real-life market and world is yet to be seen. Alright, so that is essentially the evidence on the Shingrix vaccine in a nutshell. Now, I'll wrap things up with a few disgruntled Dan's conclusions. So, number one. Overall, Shingrix does appear to be better and just as safe as Zostavax. However, we can't say significantly as the two are not actually compared head-to-head. I think we need to be cautiously optimistic around these results as well, as they may be too good to be true, and we don't know what the long-term efficacy of Shingrix is going to look like either. So will we be debating if these patients need a a booster in the future as well? Maybe. Number two, Zostavax is a one-time subcutaneous injection, whereas Shingrix requires two intramuscular injections spaced two to six months apart. Now, I certainly see some potential adherence issues with patients showing up to get only the one jet injection of Shingrix and then never to be seen again. So, will one dose be enough? Once again, more data that we don't have. Now, in saying that, if a patient comes in for their second injection outside of the two to six month window, it is recommended you give them the second dose as soon as possible and you don't have to worry about restarting the series again. So, number three. What if your patient has already had the Zostavax vaccine? Well, as as per the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, it is perfectly fine to give them the Shingrix vaccine as well, as long as it is 8 weeks apart from when they had their Zostavax vaccine. And another fun fact, in order to improve adherence, Shingrix can also be given at the same time as the flu vaccine. And number 4, what about the immunocompromised? Well, we know that Zostavax can be given in patients with a low level of immunosuppression, i.e. low-dose prednisone or low-dose methotrexate. Obviously, this will be on a case-by-case basis. And Shingrix does not currently have a contraindication in immunocompromised patients. Now, this makes sense, as it is a non-live vaccine. And in fact, we actually have some preliminary data with Shingrix in HIV-infected and hematopoietic stem cell transplant recipients. And thus far, it's been found that Shingrix has has been safe, but the clinical efficacy of the vaccine in these populations has yet to be evaluated. And number five, we got to look at the cost. So this is going to vary depending on where you are, but the base price for Shingrix is approximately $130. Then when we add dispensing and the injection fees on top of that at your local pharmacy, Shingrix will likely cost the patient approximately $150 per shot or $300 for the entire series, whereas the Zostavax vaccine is approximately $200 plus for the one-time injection. Well, there you have it, folks. That is disgruntled Dan's take on the new herpes zoster vaccine, Shingrix. I hope you enjoyed the program, and I invite any kind of feedback, questions, comments, or further commentary, please reach out via my website, healthcareevolve.ca. And if you're interested on in coming on the show, please reach out via my website as well. And that's it for today, so thank you for listening.